Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create Your Life family, thanks for tuning in to this episode. Before we get started, I wanted to share some exciting information from our sponsor. We only pick people and companies that we think are awesome to bring onto the show, so please support them. As a podcaster, I've spent hours and hours editing, doing show graphics, and much more, and I finally got fed up with losing all of my free time to post-production activities. So I decided to do something about it. And if you are a fellow busy podcaster who would like to just record and have someone else do the dirty work of graphic creation, tagging and uploading your show to your server and in-depth SEO generating show notes, go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and today we have another amazing guest. This young lady has electrifying energy, and it's really, really contagious. Ever since I've met her, it has been just an amazing opportunity and experience to even just converse with her. So I'm excited about that and excited to share this conversation with you. She's traveled the world as a leader in the entertainment industry over the course of the past 10 years, from China to London to Brooklyn to Los Angeles. Hampton to Harvard, shout out to the HBCUs and more. She has built a reputation for passion, drive, and excellence with her community on her mind. She has broken down barriers for women in sports, media, and education, and continues to innovate both domestically and internationally. As a content creator for outlets such as Black Enterprise, Blavity Shadow, and Act, All Deaf Digital, and NBC Black, she writes stories and scripts surrounding social justice issues, film and television, and as a public speaker, she takes every opportunity possible to share the wisdom she has acquired over the years with young women. Through her organization, Brown Girls Glow, she empowers young women to go from the hood to Harvard, making whatever (laughs) dream they have a reality, regardless of where they come from. She has worked with organizations such as Viacom, the CW Network, TNT, NBC News, and more. She also has moderated panels and hosts an event series network and beats in cities across the country. Additionally, she has launched two digital shows on her YouTube channel. She received her bachelor's degree at Hampton University and continued her education at Harvard University, where she received her master's degree. She uses every platform she receives to uplift others. She offers her story to all and empowers people to find their passion and to pursue it with all that they have. 
originally from East New York. She resides in L.A., Los Angeles, California right now. And I'm talking about none other than Miss Mia Hall. Mia, please say hello to the Create Your Life family. Hello, Create Your Life family. Happy to be here. After I've been following the show, getting the emails, so I'm happy to be on. I'm actually very honored and humbled to be on, so I appreciate you. Thanks, Mia. Nah, you're amazing, and I'm happy that we had the opportunity to do so. We were introduced by Donnie Mm -hmm. about a year or two ago. Well, like even before, before that, before yeah, yeah, because you were speaking at the Delta HBCU college fair. Right. And I saw you after you had like a packed class and you were selling your books and everything. And, <laughs> and yeah, so that's the first time I saw the Kevin Y. Brown. So yeah, but then I saw you at Donnie's birthday party and we knew we had that mutual connection. So right, that was right. cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Yo, I love seeing you smile. Your smile is just so radiant. Love it. <laughs> Mia, you're originally from Brooklyn and now reside in L.A., can you walk yeah. us through your journey of getting to where you are now and tell us a bit about the transition of getting to L.A., getting settled in over there? Definitely a long, long way from home. Originally, like you said, it was East New York, Brooklyn. Very humble beginnings. My mom and dad were teenage parents. My dad wasn't even there for my first six years. He went to prison and everything, and mom had a hard time, had to get on welfare. The whole nine, grew up in the projects, typical statistic, young brown girl. But one thing my family did emphasize was education. And when my dad went through first-time felon program and went through a boot camp, and that really turned his life around. So, you know, as soon as he came home, he got saved and things like that. And he really started to play a big role in me and my sister's life and continues to inspire me. My grandmother, my aunt, everybody that I grew up with emphasized education. We didn't have a lot of money, but they knew that resources were available for us to be involved in something after school. Like, I always had to have a book. I always had to be in an after-school program. I couldn't just go to school. Like So they always had activities for me, really from a young age. Like just being a well-rounded person was emphasized regardless of how much money I had. So that was um, Brooklyn for the most part, like growing up in um, pink houses and things like that. And then there was a long way before LA going to Hampton first, yeah, you know, yes, HBCU, HBCU love. love. I hadn't heard much about schools. I mean, my mother went to Morgan, but literally had to come back because she had me. So she didn't even get to matriculate there longer than like a semester. So that's like the first HBCU that I heard of. And then my father didn't even go to high school. He got a GED in prison. So I didn't really hear about a lot of schools and especially not HBCUs because I was in New York. So mm-hmm. you know, I knew nothing about like HBCUs like that other than from like a different world. Thank right. God. <laughs> but this girl that I was working with over the summer before my senior year in high school, she had went to Hampton and was telling me about the HBCUs and things like that. So I was like, oh, it sounds good, but I don't know. Might go to Temple. After school program, I worked with four guys that just graduated from Hampton. So they was like, oh, you trying to decide on the school or you going to Hampton? <laughs> So yeah, then I was a part of like this Apex program and the person that ran the program went to Hampton and I went to Temple to visit during All-Star Weekend because I was always into basketball. I was an athlete in high school, captain of the basketball team. So I like always was very into basketball, went to the Philly All-Star Game and went to visit Temple at the same time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was an Allen Iverson fiend back in the days too. So <laughs> then when I went on the college tour and went to Hampton, I felt like I was home. You know what I mean? I right, saw my right. people, they embraced me like, oh, little sis. That made me choose Hampton. Got a high school scholarship, thankfully, to be able to matriculate there because, like I said, I didn't have a lot of money. Of course, like one of the best experiences of my life being at an HBCU. I think it prepared me for the world. Definitely, I'll talk about how it prepared me for Harvard. Super curious about that. You didn't have the excuse of people are picking on me because I'm black. Like, no, everybody's black. Just go into your thing. And then I see 5,000 people that look like me about their academics, going to internationally traveling, studying abroad, being 
being presidents of this organization, that organization, honor societies, all of that. And you saw people that before me that were going to Harvard. I was like, well, they did it. Maybe I can do it. And I heard about this scholarship where you had to be applying to one of the top schools in your major the summer before my senior year at Hampton. That's the first time I thought about going to an Ivy League school for grad school. I knew I wanted to study education. I was very curious. Why are some people in my school, even though we both from the hood, why do some people go to class and why some people just stand outside and smoke weed all day mm-hmm. or stay in the gym and play basketball all day? Anyhow, knew I wanted to get an education, heard about that scholarship, and it was at church. And after church, I laughed with my dad about it. Like, ha, 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 what if I went to like Princeton or Yale or something like that? Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> I really thought about it. I researched the program at the different Ivy League schools, the education programs. And I looked at Harvard last because I was like, it would be the hardest to get into and the most expensive. The other schools, they didn't really have programs that I liked. I was like, I finally looked at Harvard and they had something exactly what I wanted. Mm-hmm. I wanted to study informal education because I felt like after school programs contributed to my education more than, not more than school, but it helped me to do well in school, become a self-regulated learner. So I prayed about it and I applied and four months later, I got in. So I was so thankful for that. Definitely was happy to be able to go from the hood to Harvard, literally. Got my recommendation letters from some people from Hampton and got some help with my essays from people from Hampton. And, you know, just got that inspiration that you could do anything. Like after you graduate here, mm-hmm. you could anywhere. So yeah, went to Harvard, got that experience, which was mind blowing and graduated from there. Wanted to do education, but also still wanted to do sports because at Hampton, I majored in sport management. I looked for a job for a year, just hustled, substitute taught. I had my first film internship. So I wanted to get an entertainment back then, but just didn't pan out. So um, got a job at the WNBA through the president of the organization and worked there for a little bit. Then I worked at the high school sports management for five years. I was at a school and then transitioned from there to work for the Brooklyn Nets. Then from the Brooklyn Nets, transitioned to work on my own business, really. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started doing more speaking and things like that. Then went on to NBC because I knew I wanted to do more in media Mm -hmm. after seeing like people of color, especially black women and men, just not getting the recognition they deserve. Like every time we're in the media, oh, it's a thug. The way that I'm going to contribute to the social justice movement, I thought would be through media. So Mm -hmm. worked at NBC, be okay for like a year doing that, writing stories and just really literally worked on all of the like Mm -hmm. Alton Sterling and the all that summer when like stuff was happening back to back to back. The Mm -hmm. summer after Mike Brown and Eric Garner, where it kept happening, was there that whole summer and the election year, which was crazy. After I finished there, I continued doing my speaking, still building Brown Girls Glow, and then had a bug to really move to L.A. I was talking to people and I wanted to do more in media. Like, why not just go all in in media? So everybody I spoke to, he's kind of like, well, why don't you try L.A.? And I met Will Packer in Atlanta. He was like, are you ever in L.A.? And I met Mav Carter that works with LeBron in Spring Hill Entertainment. He was like, oh, are you ever in L.A.? Like, you should come by the offices, da 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 So all of these people over the course of last year were talking about Los Angeles. And I was like, let me go over there and try it out, see how it feel there. Let me start to make my way down here. It was either L.A. or Atlanta because with the entertainment and but I, I looked at Atlanta and after watching like that whole wave of enslaved people narratives like the underground I was watching that show and I read the underground railroad by, by Colson Whitehead I was just so engulfed in that and to mm-hmm. go to Atlanta like I was just I can't take all these trees and this is where my ancestors escaped from why am I going back in there so yeah I just couldn't do Atlanta 
So then I just, one day I was like, well, it's going to be now or never. The new year is going to come. I don't want to come into the new year not in the place where I know I want to be. And so I booked my one-way flight, maybe in October or something like that. And I was mm-hmm. like, I'm going to just go figure it out. I know where I was going to stay at that time. I didn't have any jobs lined up. I was just like, I got to go. So I did it. And that's how I'm here. Pretty here much. we are, almost a year later, and you got it together. What do you feel like have been some of the keys to you securing the partnerships, like with working with some of these amazing organizations that you have, as well as identifying how to keep yourself grounded, even in a new space like where you are now in L.A.? Key to building the partnerships that I have. Authenticity is very important, mm-hmm. like remaining authentic to who you are. But also, I think that goal setting was important. I knew that I wanted to do more in media. So it was like, okay, how can I build relationships with people that work in media? How can I apply to different fellowships or go to the NABJ meetings? All about going all in and eat, drinking, and sleeping something when I have a goal and working towards it. So I think that goal setting is very important. Remaining authentic to who you are is very important. And all also sowing seeds and knowing that people are like bank accounts and you can't expect to withdraw without making a deposit and that you really have to not go into things in partnerships just looking for you know something for you you have to look for the both of you it has to be a win-win situation that's what I've done for a long time and I'm thankful for this organization power play NYC that educates and empowers girls through sports and they really emphasize teaching us life skills a lot of people learn through sports the teamwork you have to practice and da 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 but they also taught us this is how you build relationships how to win friends and influence people. Like I haven't read that whole book. I'm sure that the principles that they taught me are how I've built these partnerships, being genuine and helping people and and yeah, setting a going after it. So I think that that's how I've been able to build partnerships and keep relationships going. So you got an array of adventures going on. You got Networking Beats, you got Brown Girls Glow and HBCU (laughs) Prime. Can you give us a little (laughs) snippet of what each of these is about? I'll start with networking beats since that's the most recent thing that I've done. I'm a very social person, so that's just my nature too. As far as like building partnerships and relationships, what I like to do, I like talking to people and things like that and building relationships with them and finding out how we can win-win, how people can better themselves as well, you know, as myself. Networking beats was an idea that came from me and this young woman that I used to work with at Black Enterprise. I worked at Black Enterprise really before I came here, was able to sustain myself in the last half of last year. So we were talking about just introducing our friends to each other. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I had this networking event series before the networking beast that was called um, Sports and Entertainment, SE Social. It it was Sports and Entertainment Mixers. But I was really inspired by a woman that I did meet through somebody through Power Play. She used to just get people together for mixers. And this is, you know, when I was just graduating and wanted to work in sports and I met all these type of people there. So I wanted to curate those same type of events Mm -hmm. because I knew the importance of building that community, of networking, but also having iron that could sharpen your iron, meeting people that you could build partnerships. I knew that that was important. And so this one woman that I worked with, I just knew she was on that vibe. (laughs) And I was like, we got to do something together. Let's curate an event. Let's get our friends to meet each other. I mean, it was really, you have dope friends. I have dope friends. They need to meet each other. We created that series. So we had two of those before I left in New York. And then we have one out here, All-Star Weekend. And we're hoping to do one next year. Again, a few more in the future. That's how Networking Beat started. HBCU Prime. That stemmed from, it was a web series that I did pretty much one season of. That stemmed from an article that I wrote for The Root that was called How an HBCU Prepared Me for Harvard. And the response was so great. People were like, yeah, my HBCU prepared me for this. And my HBCU prepared me for that. So I was just like, well, maybe I should take this and make 
make something out of it. And so that's when I created HBCU Prom to interview people that were successful in their careers that graduated from HBCUs. Now we still have an Instagram page that kind of highlights people that are in the industry or are excelling in their careers and went to HBCUs and other like HBCU things. And Brown Girls Glow is my newest venture. And it's really just me, how to teach girls to go from the hood to Harvard, how to teach them how to make their dreams a reality. All the mentoring that was done for me, I want to be able to give it to other people. So that's really the umbrella that I do it under. Like when I go to schools and speak to them, I kind of do it under the Brown Girls Glow guys. And I created a curriculum, actually. I haven't implemented it yet, but for high school girls, I'm looking to create some type of after-school program like those that helped me to really learn these principles that they don't teach you in school building community, building relationships, remaining authentic to yourself, identity. They don't teach a lot of that in school. So that's what Brown Girls Glow is. It it wants to teach you those principles that you'll need to help you be successful in school and in your career and in your life. Wow. Create Your Life family. I hope that you are really enjoying this episode. I wanted to give a quick shout out to our sponsors and let you know that our sponsors are giving special offers just for you. If you are a fellow busy podcaster who just wants to record and spend the rest of your time doing what you love, like working out at the gym with family and friends or traveling, use code CYLS for a discount on services when you go to podcastlaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. That's podcastlaundry.com or 347-871-8273. And without further ado, let's get back to the show. Mia, you have such an amazing energy and optimism. How do you stay motivated and full of life? And any (laughs) secrets that you could offer to us would be absolutely amazing. I would definitely say my foundation is definitely have a strong faith in God and have been involved in ministry for a long time. So knowing that there's like a higher power and that I'm not here just for myself, that I'm here for a greater purpose and is aligned with the universe, that definitely motivates me and keeps me going. That's like my rock, my foundation. That's how I stay motivated. And also accountability. I was intentional, like I said, when I came out here to meet people that would light my fire, that to meet people that were iron sharpeners. They were mission driven. Like, I know I couldn't be around people that were complainers and just doing those things that I can't and didn't have energy and don't have any goals. Like, I couldn't be around that if I wanted to level up, as they say. So that was very important. Keeping people around me that have that energy. And you know what? Sometimes I might have a lot of energy and they might not have energy and I'll help them. And then one day I might be down, but their energy will lift me up. So that accountability, that community, that tribe, that's very important for me to stay so optimistic, stay positive as well. I do listen to Secret to Success podcast, CYL podcast. I do listen to different podcasts throughout the week to make sure I'm motivated if I'm riding in the car or whatever. I listen to audiobooks and things like that. Just make sure that I have a high concentration of motivation right. so that I can keep optimistic and positive attitude. Otherwise, there's so many negative things going on in this world. If you don't intentionally keep yourself with motivation around you, then it'll be hard. I would say that those are a few things that I do to stay motivated and just not take myself too seriously sometimes. What role would you say that mentorship has played in your success and who holds Mia accountable? I would say mentorship has played probably the primary role outside of God. Mentorship has been the primary key to my success, or at least what I've had now. Since I was 16, probably. That's kind of when I learned what a mentor was and have always kept in touch with somebody that was where I wanted to be in the goal that I had. So whether it was career, oh, I want to work in sports, VP of Community Affairs at the New York Knicks. My mentor was Karen Bukos. And she's the one that told me, if you have a goal, contact somebody that is further than you in that goal. And 
take them out to lunch. And so we stayed in touch. And she was my mentor. And then in my career, Rolanda Gaines, and I can name the CEO of Dress for Success, Joy. I met her at a Black Enterprise Women's event. And I always go to like these conferences and things like that and make sure that I just stay in touch with at least one or two people. And they've, you know, mentored me. And just every step of my career, I've had a mentor. What do you feel makes others know and helps them know that you are an investable asset? Why do people invest in you? I think like we were talking about before, things that I've done in the past, my experience, my track record. And yeah, and they hearing from other people, I think that have had good success, I think, with whatever I've given them. How did you land your partnership and mentorship with big time motivational speaker E.T. Thomas? <laughs> I first met him because a friend of mine was doing his PR back in the day. This was a while ago. I was writing for Slam and she was saying that he does a lot of sports speaking and really reached out to me to interview him for Slam magazine. So mm-hmm. that's literally how the first time I met him. And so I did an interview. It still exists today. The player motivator is called. Once I started hearing his stuff, I was like, oh, you know, like he's really cool. So, you know, definitely started hearing his things. And then I think that I saw that he was coming to New York and I was like, oh, I got to go to this event. I got to meet him. I got to eat him, whatever. And so went to his event in New York. It was on my birthday ever since I stayed in touch. So I've been going to his events for probably 2013, 14. So I've been going to events ever since. So kind of built a relationship like that, like just always going to events, looking to volunteer at his like first conference out in Connecticut and built that relationship like that. But then when he had an opportunity for speakers to sign up for a program, I was the first to sign up. Also being in the Game Changers program, that's how we really started to get even closer. And he had students from Michigan come to Barclay Center when I was working there. I gave them a tour of the arena. I helped them to go around. I talked to them about careers in sports and things like that. Just whatever I could do, I did for his organization as well. So we kind of built a relationship. For you, other than consistency, what do you feel like have been some of the keys to your personal growth? Definitely my mentors, maintaining those relationships, also mentoring myself, making sure that I am giving back to the community. I feel like that's one of the biggest things that is part of my success. From my first job in sports, I got it because I was working with the nonprofit that helped me. I was working with them part time for a year. They couldn't afford to bring me on full time. But, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to hustle like I'm going to still do my best here. I actually spoke for them at an event Mm -hmm. and they said speak here, whatever. But anyway, I spoke. Then the president of the WNBA was getting her award after I spoke. And she knew that I didn't have a full-time job because my boss had said it like, we love Mia, but you know, we can't hire her full-time. That's why we have in this fundraiser, like, so we can get more funding. And then the president of WNBA at the time said, anybody that can speak like that about their organization should work for me. So Mia, I want you on my team. Yeah, that's how I got my first time in sports at the WNBA in the president's office. I think mentoring, giving back to the community has definitely been a great big part of what's, what's helped me to grow. So create your life family. You hear that Mia said, volunteer, invest in others, and it'll come back full circle for sure. Have you experienced negative feedback as you were rising and as you have gotten to where you are? What did you think of it when you first saw it? If you have experienced it and was it public, private, and how did you deal with it? Were you even prepared for it? Yeah, I definitely had negative feedback. When I first worked at Barclays Center, it was like a hard transition because I worked in a school for five years and that was like my whole career. So I never worked in like that corporate environment and that old pace trying to keep up and things like that. I don't know what the exact feedback was, but I do remember having a time where it was like, okay, I need you to pull it together. But I really did take that as an opportunity to reset. Like, okay, I'm in a new space. There's some new things that I need to learn. Like, 
I need to get it together. And so I asked people, I made sure that doing what they told me to do, I made sure that I implemented some new practices of my own, keeping my boss updated, weekly reports and things like that. So I was able to adjust and just not, and like communication, I feel like it's so important, not only, of course, communicating, period, but the way you communicate. So I think that I made sure that I knew how to communicate in the office setting and that different bosses need different types of communication. So I was able to take that and adjust the way I communicated with certain people and just how I worked with them. That was definitely something that I had to take a step back, learn from and move up and on from. What do you feel like has been the biggest personal challenge that you've needed to overcome in order to be who you are today? Honestly, being out here with no car, no consistent job, that's probably been the biggest challenge for me. Early on, it was a challenge of my parents not graduating from college. Shout out to my mom. She got her degree now, but she went to school when I went to school. But not having parents that went to school or even uncles and aunts that were around me that had that whole college experience, that was a big challenge that I had to overcome. But thankfully for the tribe, for the community, for the Beacon programs where I could get mentors from and director there, Omaha Holloway, that looked out for me and made sure that I had mentors and people that went to school so they could tell me what to do with my application and everything like that. Coming out here with no net, that was probably my biggest challenge. But before that, going into college, and that's why I think I'm so passionate about helping high school girls, because after high school, you don't have to go to college, but you have to live the rest of your life. It's kind of like that's when they say you become an adult. I mean, that's legally when you become an adult here. Getting you prepared for the rest of your life, that's where my passion lies. Was there ever any point that you were going to give up? And if so, how did you push past that point? There was one time I was working at the school and I was frustrated and I was like, I'm going to go to law school and be a lawyer. Like, I just wanted to make money. And and so I was going to give up on like everything, give up on sports, give up on entertainment, give up on entrepreneurship, because when I was in college is when I really got that entrepreneurship bug. And that's how I even met Alfred Edmund Jr., my mentor, who is at Black Enterprise, who was at Black Enterprise back then. But yeah, I was just going to give up on everything and just like, yo, I need to get money. But then I remember one of my mentors, Keith White, telling me, don't do something to get rich. Do what you're good in and get rich at it. That totally changed my perspective. And I was like, you know what? Okay, boom, let me reset, refocus. That's the first time that I actually got a coach. And I was like 24 back then, but I had met this woman who was a dream development coach. And you know, I was like, let me talk to her, just see. And mm-hmm. then we went through this whole process to where I thought about sports for a week. And then I thought about entrepreneurship for a week. And then I thought about entertainment or, or film for a week, just really focus. Which of these three areas do I see myself in? Out of that emerged sports. And that's when I was just like, I'm just going to focus on sports. I'm kill it there. And then, you know, when when these others pop up, then they'll come. And they eventually did. That was a point where that was a big transition, a big turning point in my life where I was like, okay, I got to make a decision. You know, I'm going to choose and focus on one. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to start to see success in that area. And so now you're at Universal Studios. You work there. You still have your entrepreneurial ventures going. (laughs) If you weren't doing what you're doing now, what Mm -hmm. would you be doing? Is there any career or hobby that you've always wanted to pursue? Maybe dance. I was a dancer from like three years old to like 12 years old. So maybe if I would have went another way or if my middle school would have had dance instead of basketball, I probably would have continued on that path. Back there, East New York Theatrical Workshop, I did ballet, modern, hip hop. We did everything. All right. So my next question to you, Mia, is can you swim? I can. (laughs) Good. had to ask that because we are about to jump into the dolphin tank. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. So this is rapid fire question. So are you ready? I'm ready. What are your goal setting methods and how do you make sure that you're growing each year? Vision board every year, looking back at it every quarter, 
and meeting with a group of accountability partners by phone and in person at least every quarter and really just mapping out my things every quarter, making sure that I kind of review my week at least every two weeks. What was holding you back from creating your best life? Me, number one, you're the biggest person that stops you from doing what you got to do. If it's like rapid, I would say doubt. What's the top tech that you're using to make your life and business run smoothly? iCal? Yeah, I think a digital calendar makes my life run a little bit smoother. I think that that's pretty much it. Favorite quote or model that you live by? Joshua 1.9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's why my name is Mia Hall 19 because of Joshua 1.9. And I was rebirthed on January 9th. So 1.9 is very significant in my life. And so that's why everything is Mia Hall 19. So yeah, that's my favorite quote, scripture. Favorite and most impactful book that you've read? First thing that comes to mind is what makes the great great. That's um, my favorite book. I just interviewed Kimbro. okay okay yeah that was like a game changer for me opened my eyes to a lot i have to mention rich dad poor dad too though because that changed my perspective about finances three jewels that you would tell someone looking to create their best life don't doubt yourself you can't grow in isolation only in community be intentional about creating your best life you have to not think that life is going to come to you you have to play the key role in manufacturing it. That's really important. And then everything will come into place, but that you go after. So what's next for you? Making sure that I'm building a legacy and primarily financially. So getting my finances really straight to where I'm good, my family will be good, and I can really start to build generational wealth. How can we keep in contact with you? So you can stay in touch with me by visiting MiaHall19.com. Everything is on there. But on social media, I'm at Mia underscore Hall19 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. I'm at Mia's Full Court Press. All right. So Mia, we've reached a point in the interview where it's time for the turnaround. And that's where you, of course, you have a lot of experience doing this. You get to interview me. And so I just have one request. Okay. Please be gentle. You get to ask me any three questions and I have to answer. What prompted your move from the Bay Area to New York and what was that process? I went to college at Clark, Atlanta. So that's what got me out of the Bay. What prompted that transition was me trying to literally just trying to get away from my experience that I had growing up in foster care and going out into the world and creating a life that I wanted. And then going up to New York, I did an MTV countdown and my major was fashion in college. And so I wanted to come up and play with the big boys and girls and see if I could make it. So that's what it was about for me. So what's next for you then? Africa is what's next. So I'm going to move to Africa for a period of time and learn and grow and We'll see what happens after that. But that's what's really next. What has been your favorite interview on this series and why? Kimbrough was my favorite interview. The reason being is it was full circle with Kimbrough. I met him after I graduated. And I went and I had the opportunity to sit down in front of him. And we chatted and I told him about these big grandiose plans that I had. He's like, all right, my brother. But Kimbrough's always super humble. So you can always approach him very nice. Like, I will never have an ego. Like, I'm better than anybody because of the way that Kimbrough treated me. Mm-hmm. And how mm-hmm. he always so, like, level-headed and grounded. I've been through trials and tribulations on my entrepreneur journey in New York, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I call Kimbrough periodically. You know, sometimes he picks up, sometimes he doesn't. And... I did get his book, What Makes the Great Great, and I read it. I'm like, yo, this is the best book ever written. And so much so that even in the description for Create Your Life, it says that we discover what makes the great great because it's like a real thing. You know, that was something that I was always attracted to is how do people, how does Kobe Bryant become Kobe Bryant? 
I don't care what he's done and why he did it. I want to know how so that I can duplicate it. And just having an opportunity to interview Kimbrough, he just dropped so many jewels and was mm. so open. He was like, hey, I got 30 minutes. That interview definitely took an hour. <laughs> you know, because he had that much knowledge and so many jewels to drop. So it was just a blessing. Kimbrough, he gave a lot of game. I mean, I've had some really amazing opportunities and had some really great conversations on here, but I would definitely say he's in the top. Okay, well, Mia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. I'm so glad that we got to coordinate, organize. This day was perfect because there's a million other things going on. So it was cool. Thank you. I appreciate you. Nah, most definitely. So Create Your Life family, thank you so much for listening. And if this content is delivering value to you, please go to iTunes and Stitcher Radio and rate and review us. This helps us build this community. And building this community is what we're all about right now so that we can deliver as much value as possible to you. So until next time, create your life and feed your ambition. This episode was brought to you by PodcastLaundry.com. I love Podcast Laundry. It provides a real solution to free up my time. And time is the only resource that we cannot get back. Podcast Laundry was created with love to help other fellow busy podcasters free up time so that they could do more of what they love, whether that's traveling, time with friends and family, or working on other ventures. If you want to free up your time, then have Podcast Laundry do the dirty work of note-taking, graphic creation, editing, show tagging, and uploading for you. Go to PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273 to schedule your consultation. And remember to use code CYLS. That's PodcastLaundry.com or call 347-871-8273.